your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this Monday afternoon edition of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. You can go to BuiltBar.com right now and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. So a lot to get to for today's episode, including both games against the Bruins and the look ahead for the Penguins as we are now a week away uh, from the trade deadline. I'll have something um, trade-related later on in the show after listening to Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts, in case you all did not listen to it. It is a flyer that he is talking about as a potential trade target. That's all I'm going to say on that. But overall, with these two Bruins games, I guess I'll just share my my first thoughts before I get into the um, different games. I like what they did. I know they went one and one. I also know they gave up seven goals in one of the games. They hadn't given up more than three goals in the game, I think, in 16 consecutive games. You'd have to go back, I think, into February, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, to where they last gave up um, three or more goals in a game. Um, that is just goes to show how great the Penguins have been defensively um, for these last 16, 17 games. Um, and the Thursday one, defensively, that was a clinic. And, you know, people have been starting to spew this on Twitter. Yes, this is the same 1-2-2 neutral zone trap that the Penguins were doing um, in 2016 and 2017. More so 2016, especially against, against the San Jose Sharks. Excuse me, when it was just, you know, stifling defense. There was nothing there, even in front of the net. And especially through the neutral zone. Um, right now, the Penguins are just not giving anything to teams. I know they got away from that in the second and third periods against Boston in the Saturday afternoon matinee game. But, I mean, for those 16, 17 games prior to that, you know, it, it, this team resembles a lot of how the 2016 team looked. And I think a lot of people need to be excited with how this team is going right now. I know, like I said, they blew their five-game winning streak. They had chances to win that game on Saturday. But it's not the end of the world, especially after going 3-1 and one in this four-game stretch without Gino Malkin and Kapanen and a couple of others, especially Tristan Jari as well, though he, it looks like, is expected to be back um, for Tuesday's game in New York against the New York Rangers. Other stuff in that Thursday game, uh, Zach Astonese gets another goal for the season. I believe that was, what, his eighth goal of the year. Just incredible offensive play from Aston Reese this year. We all know how great he is defensively in his own zone. He's some of the best underlying defensive numbers on the team. His, his part on the shutdown line of Bluger and Tanev, when they're all healthy, you know, he is the big reason why that line is so dominant. And you're really just seeing his offensive game come out in full force this year. And, you know, sometimes he doesn't finish on those grade A chances that he gets set up by for some other players, but he makes it count in other areas. And, you know, he still has eight goals on the season. He's on pace, I think, right now for at least 12 to 13. So, really nice goal from him. Obviously, we also got to talk about Mike Matheson because he had that amazing coast-to-coast goal, burned Jeremy Lozon pretty badly. And, you know, that's the good that you're going to get with Mike Matheson, you know. He's so great at those kind of plays, those coast-to-coast kind of plays. I mean, he's just great with the puck on his stick. It's when the puck is not on his stick that he's a complete tire fire. And you saw that on Saturday when he turned the puck over in the neutral zone right on, right after the blue line, and then the Bruins have an easy goal going the other way. I think Pasternak got that goal from Marshawn. I mean, that line basically killed them all game on Saturday. I think they had like six, seven points over. I think they had points on all seven of the uh, goals that they scored. So yeah, the Bruins, they are. I know they're a one-line team, but that one line can make you pay uh, virtually every shift, and that's what they did on Saturday. But you know, going back to Thursday with Matheson, it was a good performance from him. And 
you know, like I said, obviously that goal was outstanding. I thought defensively he was still good as well. You know, we'll get to his performance on Saturday um, a bit later outside of the turnover. But, you know, that, that goal was incredible. You also have Jason Zucker getting his first goal since coming back from injury. That was obviously ginormous. I mean, that basically put the game away because I think Marshawn made it 2-1 to one early in the third period. It looked like the Penguins were going to be on their heels a little bit. And then just a few minutes later, Zucker gets that goal. I think it was, I'm trying to remember who, correctly who it was. I think it was Rodriguez that made the pass to him. Uh, on a two-on-one, and Zucker buried it past um, Lord Vader, of course, you know, Daryl Ladar, whatever the hell his name is. Like I said, I'm going to keep calling him Darth Vader until the end of time, just because that's how his name looks to me um, when I read it. But still, that goal was awesome, and, you know, he's just playing with a lot more confidence, I think, since coming back, and they're, they have the makings of a very solid third line with Zucker and McCann. If they want to have McCann as a third-line center, I wouldn't mind it. Maybe you have to go out and get another winger. You know, I, like I said, there's a trade target in mind um, that Elliot Freeman put out there. It would probably have to be a three-way trade because the team probably would not be able to trade him uh, to Pittsburgh, but it makes a lot of sense, and he's a really good bottom six contributor. So, you know, maybe they go after a right wing. You know, there's been a lot of rumors saying that the Penguins are going to go after a center. You know, maybe they necessarily may not need it just because with how McCann has been playing at center um, with Jason Zucker on his left wing, that has the makings of a really good third line if they surround those two players with you know another really good player and then you know obviously the Gensel Crosby Russ line won't get touched and we'll have to see what left wing they put with um, Malkin and Kappen and once both those players come back and I think Aston Reese Blue Gertanev um, that's not going to be broken up either and then to top it all off, Jake Gensel got, um, at, for the time, it was his 15th goal of the season. He got his 16th goal of the season on Saturday's game. But still, all in all, it was a great performance by the Penguins. And yes, I am going to say it. This was the Penguins' first win in Boston since 2014. I know they lost the next game, so maybe the, their next win in Boston won't be until 2028. You know, I, I don't make the rules here, everyone. That's, that's for sure. But, you know, I, I, I did like the quotes after the game. Excuse me. Sorry for that notification on Discord. Um, but, you know, I did like the quotes after the game. You could obviously tell that the players knew what the streak was going into it, that they had lost 10 games in a row at TD Garden, dating back to 2014. I think Jason Zucker said, yeah, you know, this this has been on our minds for a bit. We all know what the streak was. Apparently, there was a rumor that Crystal Tang's very bad mustache was just because to get some new juju going, um, to get the team to win in Boston for a change. And I mean, they're more than likely going to have to win games in Boston to get out of the Eastern playoffs. Well, I shouldn't say Eastern playoffs, the East Division playoffs, excuse me. So, you know, good good to start finally now with winning a game in Boston. Um, also, you know, I'll say it again, Casey DeSmith was 968 that game. I know he came off the rails a little bit on Saturday. I'm going to get to that in the next segment. But again, that was another outstanding start for Casey DeSmith. I, I've seen some talk with people saying, you know, oh, well, he could put, push Tristan Jari to start in the playoffs, you know, with how he's been playing. Uh, for as well as he has played, um, I do not see that. I do not agree with that take from people. Because, yes, I understand. Going back to February 28th, you know, 9.33, 9.58, shut out, 9.39, 9.60, shut out, 9.50, 9.68, and then this past Saturday, of course, 7.78. That is his lowest save percentage of the season. And the first time he was below 900 since February 11th. So, basically, it's been almost two months since he was below 900 or below league average. I get that people want to have Casey DeSmith start a playoff game with the run that he's on, but... I will say this, I think Tristan Jari is more experienced, and he's also having a damn good season too, and yes, like I said, he is probably going to get the start on Tuesday. You probably want him to have more starts down the stretch so he, he can be your playoff starter. Now, 
it, it is great that they have two capable goalies to start in the playoffs if need be. So say Tristan Jari struggles, you can just put Casey DeSmith in there, and I'm sure the team will be just fine. But me right now, everyone, I have Tristan Jari as this team's playoff starter. Like I said, I know the numbers have not been as good as DeSmith's this year, but you know we're, we're splitting hairs while talking about that. I just don't think that Casey DeSmith can go through a full playoff run and lead this team to the Stanley Cup. Hey, if he does get the start and he proves me wrong and they win a Stanley Cup with him in net starting, hey, you know, I'll eat all the crow. I've ate crow on a lot of things over the years while being a fan of this team. But so like I said, I still see Tristan Jari as this team starter in the playoffs when they eventually make it. But still, that's not to say that DeSmith isn't having a fantastic year. He absolutely is, you know, as a backup. You know, he, he, could, he could be getting a little bit of Norris love if he continues um, this reign of terror that he has going on against the East Division. You know, I keep talking about his movement is sensational. He's making all the saves that he's been needing to make. His goal save above expected, I think, is still top 10 overall league-wide. And he's completely locked in right now. So, you know, great game for the Penguins. Like, the defensive structure was sensational. Got the goals from the secondary scoring, which is so crucial when so many players, you know, namely Evgeny Malkin and Kasperi Kapp and Teddy Bluger are still out with injuries. Though Bluger is also getting close. I might have an update on that coming up in the next segment. But, you know, when you have guys like Zach Aston Reese getting his eighth goal of the year, you have Jason Zucker contributing to a depth goal. That was his first goal since coming back. You have Mike Matheson doing a coast-to-coast goal. You know, that's those are the kind of players that you need to have score at times. You know, it can't just be Sidney Crosby, Jake Gensel, Getty Malkin when he's healthy, Kasperi Kapanen, Brian Rust, etc., etc. You know, you need goals from the bottom half of your lineup, and that's what they're getting right now. And still, I'm curious to see what move they make, if they make one at all, um, going into the trade deadline here. But that'll do it for this first segment of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Uh, before we do get to the next segment, it is time to talk about Built Bar. And yes, Built Bar Madness is over. Go to BuiltBar.com and check out who won. There's 18 amazing flavors, 6 new flavors. Kelmore Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Lemon Almond Cheesecake. I still can't believe Cookies and Cream did not win. You have the 12 Originals, Double Chocolate, Orange, Toffee Almond, Coconut Peanut Butter Brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. Again, one of my favorite flavors is still the Cookies and Cream. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. They've reset the promo code for this relaunch. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Before we do get into the a lot of Saturday's game, I do want to apologize for not having an episode on Thursday and Friday. A couple of life events came up. I'm not going to have three episodes in a week moving forward. I do go away um, this Friday through uh, sometime next week. I'm just seeing a friend that I haven't seen in a while, but you know I'm still going to be chugging out five episodes today for you all next week, and I will have coverage for the trade deadline on Monday. I know I'm not going to be around my phone at all times, but I'm going to try to be around it as much as I can to give you all the breaking news and everything for everything Penguins. But, you know, let's get to Saturday's setback. The Penguins' five-game winning streak came to an end. A wild 7-5 to affair against the Bruins. I mean, what a game that was. It truly had everything. You know, the top line of Crosby, Gensel, and Russ was sensational. And, you know, we do have to start. Yes, everyone, Mark Jankowski not, did not just have one point in this game, but two points in this game. Yes, Mark Jankowski gets his first goal since 
the first, I think it was what, the first game of the season, second game of the season, something like that. He had not scored in over 32, 33 games. It was a sweet deflection that came, I think, off Mike Matheson's shot from the point. You know, you know it's bad for the Bruins when Mark Jankowski is scoring on you, but you know, I know it didn't matter at the end, but you know, still good to see Mark Jankowski actually getting on the score sheet for his third goal of the season. Sidney Crosby gets a shorthanded goal. We're going to get to that little embellishment in quotation marks a little later. Jake Gensel, of course, gets his on the power play. Uh, Jared McKenna can I let's just talk about Jared McCann here for a second you know I know King Clark he was giving me a lot of shit on Twitter just because well you know he's not a changed player you know he's still the same player he's just not shooting at 3.2 percent I'm like yeah I, I get it you know he's not shooting at two three percent like he was last year he's not having a season where he's only scoring one goal in his last 25 games going into the pause I get it but I just look at his all-around game and it just looks so much better this year than where it did last year his playmaking ability his play in the defensive zone his skating how fast he is everything and then of course you have that excellent shot that he has and you put that all together and this is the Jared McCann that you are getting for 2020 2021 he has been one of the Penguins best players and at 2.9 million for this year and next year, that is a flat-out bargain, and I would love for Ron Hextall and Brian Burke to extend him. You know, maybe you go up to 3.5 million per something like that. He's probably not going to get anywhere. I don't. I don't. Maybe I shouldn't say that. If he continues to have the season, he could get close to four million per. I honestly wouldn't even be that mad about it. But you know, with how he's playing right now, especially next to Jason Zucker as the third line center, you know, with how he's played next to Evgeny Malkin as the second line left winger, um, you can just put him anywhere, and he's just been scoring at will. This season, if you look at hockey viz with Micah's stuff, um, for 2020-21, excuse me, um, he is at plus 1.5% expected goals for this season. There's a lot of red around the slot area, you know, a little bit in front of the net. Last season, everyone, minus 6.7% expected goals for. There was so much blue in front of the net, it just almost looks like the Atlantic Ocean. There was hardly any red from him on his heat map. Then defensively, minus 6.2 last year. So great job with expected goals against this year, everyone. Minus 7.1% expected goals against. There's hardly any red on the ice um, when he is in the defensive zone. So in other words, he is scoring a lot, but he's not giving anything back when he is on the ice in the defensive zone. It has been a completely different season for him in all facets. And like I said, $2.9 million for him just seems like a complete steal for him at this moment. I'm loving his game right now, and I really hope that this continues um, as we close out the season and get into the playoffs where, yes, everyone, I am very confident saying that the Pittsburgh Penguins will be in the playoffs when the dust settles in about, what, five weeks now, I think this season ends. So great stuff from him. And also, yes, let's praise Cody CC some more because he had a great goal in that game. And uh, Mike DeFabo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette ran a great story on the Post-Gazette's website. I think it was yesterday. And I loved how he incorporated some underlying numbers, some analytics into this story. And, you know, he has 53.4% expected goals percentage this season. Um, as he writes, that is higher than Chris Letang. Um, the, the fact that that is higher than Letang uh, speaks volumes to how great CC has been. Um, has nine points, three goals. Again, that's second only to Chris Letang. Um, if you look at some of his other underlying numbers as I scroll through this, you know, um, his giveaways per 60 minutes at 0.94 are, an, are at an all-time low. Um, as Mike writes, you know, this is great reporting. He was at 2.42 uh, giveaways per 60 minutes in 2016-17 with the Ottawa Center. So what a change that has been um, ever since moving to Pittsburgh. And, you know, even in Toronto, he wasn't as bad as he was in Ottawa, but he, he also wasn't nearly as good as what we're seeing right now. 
And with Mike Matheson on the ice, they're pairing. They have a 56.9% expected goals percentage that ranks higher um, than any of the other pairings. And that was backed up by CK404 response code tweet. I think he put that out. Um, if I go to his Twitter right now on April 2nd, at that time, it was 57.3% um, for all pairs greater than 100 minutes via moneypuck.com. Pedersen Marino was at 54.1% in 187 minutes. Dumoulin Tang at 50.8%. So, you know, that, that just goes to show how great CC has been this year. And yes, everyone, I am now advocating for them to sign CC to maybe a two-year extension, you know, two to two and a half million per. He has been that good for the Penguins this season. I really hope that continues moving forward. Other stuff in this game, like I said, Sidney Crosby was sensational. Got his first shorthanded goal, if I'm not mistaken, um, in a decade. I, I, it's somewhere along those lines. It has been quite a while since Sid has had a shorthanded goal. Already talked about Gensel's goal to make it 3-2. to You know, they, they played a great first period in that game. They were stifling the Bruins, really frustrating them. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Bruins put up five goals in the second period, like I have been saying, everyone, this was the first time the Penguins had given up more than three goals in the games in the last 16 um, games. They allowed five in one period. I mean, I don't even know if they've done that all season with how great defensively they've been. But, you know, it started, I think, was it 12 seconds in? Bruins tie it. Then just a few seconds later, they make it 2-1. to one. I know the Penguins were able to tie it and then take the lead um, later on in the period. But then just the last five minutes of that period was just a total clusterfuck in so many ways. The officiating was guarded. You have Brad Marchand running around getting Chris Letang in trouble because Letang finally snapped at him. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this. The officiating was pretty shitty in that game, but that's par for the course with NHL refs. They always love the even-up calls, and they just don't see a lot of the stuff that the Bruins get away with. And, okay, yes, let, let's just get to, you know, the big incident that Bruins fans, of course, have been talking about, and that's Sidney Crosby's little dive in quotation marks, the embellishment, whatever the case. Here is my take on that. Um, if you have never taken a butt end of a stick to your face or a stick to a face, you probably should not be giving your opinion on that and saying that he embellished it. I mean, I played hockey as a kid and, you know, I know I didn't get to play on, you know, some of my high school teams, you know, teams after that in college or whatnot, but I've gotten sticked in the face before with a full face shield and that is how players react. I've seen other players on my teams back when I was, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, even going into my teenage years, react that way. I mean, I've taken a stick to the face while playing street hockey with no helmet on. It is not fun, and that is how players react. So to see people out there saying, well, you know, I've played the game. That's not how players react and whatnot. You're full of shit, and you really should not be talking about the sport at all, to, to be honest with you. I just don't have the, t the time of day for those kind of people. That was not a dive. That was not an embellishment. Like I said, he took the butt end of a stick to his face. That is how players react. So maybe did he sell it a little bit? You know, sure. You know, at that point in the game, every player would. You're down six five. You just got a huge goal. There's still a buck fifteen left in the game. You potentially get a power play out of it. There's a chance that you could send it to overtime to get a point in the game where it looked like for you know the second half of the game you weren't gonna get it. Or you know, I shouldn't say the second half of the game that you know the last twenty or so minutes that you're not gonna get it just because they were leading um going into the halfway point. You're damn right. I'm gonna sell it a little bit, but just you know, it, it's so funny to see Bruins fans fired up about it especially because you know people made a whole meme about the wheel of excuses with them and now they're just whining about other players on other teams doing this little so-called embellishment or diving because he took a butt end of a stick to his face so i really don't understand that and you know it's par for the course of people just hating on Sidney crosby for the sake of hating on Sidney crosby so that is my take on that 
like I said, I'll say it one more time. If you're one of those people that, that have played hockey, I was from one of Bruins Twitter or something like, well, you know, I played hockey for so many years and I've taken that exact situation with the butt end of my stick to my face and I didn't react that way. Yeah, like I said. You're full of shit, so stop talking about it. But overall, everyone, this is not the end of the world. Yes, I know they gave up seven goals. Yes, I understand Casey DeSmith did not have a good game, but he was also left out to dry for a lot of his goals because the Penguins just stopped playing defense for the second half of the game. They're going to go into Tuesday night's game, I'm sure, pretty pissed off. They had won five in a row coming going into this past game. They are still in a good spot in the East Division. I think there's still only a couple points out of first place and second place for that matter. There's still seven points up on the Bruins as of this recording. This is a playoff team, everyone. There's still, I know, a month left. You know, people can say things can change. No, this team is going to make the playoffs. And all that matters is that they get back to the way that they were playing for the last, you know, whatever, 20, 21 games with how great they've been defensively and all that. And I expect them to against a team like the Rangers, who they are 5-1 and one against the season. But, you know, we'll all see what happens uh, tomorrow night and on Thursday when they get the Rangers again. But... Before we do get to the next segment, I'm going to talk about that trade target that I promised I would get to early on in the show. It's time to talk about Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Get real time updated odds and props, almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up for. You can head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts, with a promo code locked on at betonline.ag. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. So, was listening to Elliot Freeman's 31 Thoughts today. So, they basically did like a whole deadline preview, looking at buyers, looking at sellers, looking at some potential trade targets. So, obviously, the Penguins came up. They said that they're buyers. Obviously, I mean, the Penguins are not going to sell or anything like that. And, you know, apparently, Freeman, he did say that it sounds like the Penguins do want to go out and get a center. But then he put a name out there that I did not expect to hear. You know, Mer- Jeff Merrick said he thought they were going to be in on Eric Stahl. He also put out Cody Eakin as a name. Friedman dropped the name. Philadelphia Flyers forward Scott Lawton. You know, it, it fits what Brian Burke and Ron Hextall are looking for. You know, a gritty forward, a player with some size. He's 6'1", almost 200 pounds this season so far. 17 points in 33 games with the Flyers. He's coming off a season last year where he had 27 points in 49 games. His possession this year hovering right around 50%. In the playoffs last year, he's one of their best players. 9 points in 15 games. And yes, I understand this is probably... Very likely actually not going to happen. I'd probably say a 99% chance that's not going to happen. But Freeman did think that this would have to be a three-way trade. And, you know, obvious reasons. Again, uh, I don't think Chuck Fletcher and Ron Hextall are going to make a trade. But like I said, it checks a lot of boxes. Hextall had this player when he was there. He probably really likes him. And this is the kind of hard-nosed player that Burke and Hextall have been saying they want to go and get. You know, someone who's physical, can line up a nice clean hit. And, you know... Most importantly, someone that can actually play and contribute offense um, at a pretty decent clip this year. I know he's minus 0.3% expected goals for. If you look at Micah's stuff from in 2019, was plus 5.8% expected goals for. So there's a chance that he could get back 
to that level, but defensively is where he's even better. You know, minus 3% expected goals against last year. It was only minus 0.6 the year before that. It was plus 2.6% expected goals for, but there's not a lot of red in front of the net for him defensively. So he's a good defensive player, can contribute on the score sheet. And if you're telling me about a Zucker, McCann, and Scott Lawton third line, um, inject that shit directly into my veins. That would be a slam dunk acquisition for the Penguins. Like I said, is it very unlikely that it happens? Oh, absolutely. You know, I do not see them trading for Scott Lawn unless it's like a somehow a three-way deal with them getting Mark Streit like they did in 2017. And that's exactly what Elliot Freeman said. You know, there's precedent for that. But do the Flyers really want to trade Scott Lawton, though, despite the season that they're having? You know, he seems like a player that would probably not want to be dealt from the Flyers because I think he really likes playing there. But I think that team is headed for a lot of surgery in the offseason. I could see them making one or two major moves to shake up that team. You know, what do you do with Jacob Voracek? What do you do with Travis Konechny? Do you finally move on from Claude Giroux? I mean, that's probably not going to happen. But, you know, Scott Lawton would make sense in that regard. But that's probably um, a draft day deal rather than a deadline acquisition but you know what are your thoughts on potentially getting Scott Lawton let me know on Twitter at Hunter Hodes or on the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins a couple more things here before I close out the show some injury updates Teddy Bluger was a full participant at practice today I think I expect him to play on Tuesday if not Tuesday it most likely will be on Thursday so it's big that he's coming back Tristan Jari again another full participant at practice I was reading stuff from a DK site um, he did say he's 100% healthy. It sounded it was more of a precaution with his injury that they wanted to get on it and make sure it didn't get worse. Um, you know, their bet paid play, paid off, and he's only going to be out for um, basically a week. So great news on that front. Both goalies will be 100% healthy going into the stretch run here of the season. And also Mark Friedman was back at practice, practicing on the fourth defensive pairing. You know, that basically makes use of Rico, the ninth defenseman at this point. And Brandon Tanev, yes, a soul for a soul continues. Tanev will be week to week with an upper body injury. It was believed he got the injury. He sustained the injury, I think, in the first period of Saturday afternoon's game against Boston. I know he left the game at some point for the, like 12, 13 minutes before coming back. I think he ended up finishing the game, if I'm not mistaken. So again, that's another case of someone finishing the game um, after coming back from an injury, but you know now he's week to week. So sometimes some of these players just need to not come back and play. You know, like Evgeny Malkin did. He played one shift after coming back, but then decided he couldn't play on it. And then you know now he's week to week, but he's still not skating, and Kapanen is not skating either. So they're still out three forwards right now. But luckily the deadline is still a week away, where I still think it is likely that they do add a forward. You know, it's probably not going to be Scott Lawton, but it would be awesome if it was. But that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Really appreciate you all listening to this one. I'll be back tomorrow evening with an episode. I'm probably going to do a post game episode of the game against the Rangers, and then I'll be back on Wednesday with another one after that, previewing the Thursday game against the Rangers. Maybe I'll try to do something with John Chick or Nick Zoraris like I do, or like I have, excuse me, um, with previous games against the Rangers. So that'll do it for this one. Hope you all have a great rest of your day, and I'll talk to you all tomorrow night.